it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey everyone, it's Brandy. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you. Look, beauty professionals, this show is for you. And I want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world. You can help by doing your part in making a small donation. You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's a new week, a new day, and a new episode of the Business Beauty Network podcast. Welcome, welcome. Happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. I have some awesome content in store for you today. But before we get into all of that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening. And also check out our YouTube channel. We are now on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to our channel on YouTube as well. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. That really helps us as well. Also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor. Let me know how you're enjoying this episode by simply screenshotting wherever you're listening and share it with me in the stories. Just tag me there. Also, you can follow the podcast at Biz Beauty Network on Instagram and Facebook as well. Looking forward to connecting with you. I would like to thank today's sponsor, Coleman Tax. Coleman Tax helps us to see the beauty in our numbers. If you need a CPA or if you need help with tax planning or, or saving money on your taxes, you definitely want to connect with ColemanTax.com. The beauty CPA, Kanisha Coleman. Make sure you check her out. So thanks so much for today's sponsor. Make sure you support. Now that all of that's out of the way, let's get into today's episode. I'm super, super excited. I had a great conversation with Rihanna Green. I actually learned a lot from Rihanna. Rihanna is an attorney and she specializes in trademarks. And I've had people on talking about trademarks before, but Rihanna actually dived a little bit deeper and I learned a few things that I wasn't aware of. And I think you will too. And that's what I love about this podcast is the opportunity to connect with other entrepreneurs that are experts in their field and learning new things and just really being able to explore their world and learn more about their world is so fun and intriguing to me. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Here is a little bit of Rihanna's bio. Rihanna Green is the founder and CEO of She Trademarks, a seasoned trial attorney with deep ties to the beauty industry. Rihanna combines her legal expertise with decades of work as a manicurist, cosmetologist, and hairstylist to help female entrepreneurs build and more importantly, protect their business. I think you're really going to enjoy this one, guys. And here it goes. Welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandi Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Rihanna Green. Welcome, Rihanna. Hi, how are you? Hey, girl. I'm good. Glad to have you here. So before we get into your business and all the awesome things you're doing, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. So I lived in Atlanta for um, four years before coming back to California. And the only reason why I came back to California is because all my family is here. So I like to say I'm um, a Cali girl, but I have an Atlanta spirit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> so you must have liked Atlanta, huh? <laughs> I do like Atlanta. Every chance I get, I'm like, okay, it's been about two, three months. Time for me to take a weekend trip, you know? Awesome. Now, what do you love about it there? I just really like the culture. I think that there's a lot of stuff to do. You know, they're always doing some type of festival or like food truck or food festival. Brunch is big in Atlanta and I am big on brunch. So it just works out. Right. I love brunch. Like if I could drink a mimosa every day, I would. I mean, a good <laughs> brunch with bottomless mimosas. Yes. How could your Sunday get any better? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's pretty fun. Thanks so much for sharing. So tell us about your business, because I feel that you have a very unique journey. Um, you started off in beauty. So I'm just kind of interested on, on that path. So take us like how you started out in beauty and, you know, leading up to where you are now. It has really come a full circle. So I started off in the beauty industry when I was 16. I was in high school. They had one of those programs where you can get a trade training. So, you know, for a trade, not to go to college or not to do any type of other advanced education, just to kind of get you into the working force. So I've always loved the glam. I've always loved, you know, the beauty industry, hair, nails, makeup, all of it. So I did the manicuring program in high school when I was a sophomore, got licensed at 16 and then continued on to do Cosmo. Full-blown Cosmo was licensed at 17 for that. So at one point I kind of wavered. I was like, I don't think I'm going to do anything else. I think I'm just going to do Cosmo, really make that my business and, you know, do that for my career. So at some point in time, I decided, all right, like the time goes by anyways, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to school. And with beauty, I can work school. I could do work around my school so I can pick the classes that I want and still be able to, you know, work. So that was kind of what led to and what helped me through undergrad and law school. And then when I was done, I started being a civil litigator and was working in the civil realm. But all of my very close friends are still in the beauty industry because I kind of grew up in the beauty industry. Right. So um, hearing their stories and then also working at the insurance company and seeing the type of cases, salon based cases, cases against stylists that were coming in. It's kind of when I really was like, I really think there's a need for this. And there are not, you know, anyone doing it specifically targeting the beauty professionals. And it's something I know and like. So that's kind of what mended everything together. Okay. So for how long did you operate, you know, doing nails and hair and all of those things? Um, so I know you did it while you were in law school, right? While you were in college and everything. But um it's interesting that you you decided to still go that route, you know, to still become a lawyer because you were already licensed and you were building and you had a license, you had a skill that you could do, you could build a business doing that. So how did you make the decision? Like, what was that process like? I had always wanted to be a lawyer ever since I was young. So I was the kid that was like watching Law and Order at like nine or 10 and everybody else was watching something else, right? And I was like, this is so interesting. Um, so I'd always wanted to be a lawyer, but then one of the big barriers for me was not wanting to be in school for what, seven years. I was like, that just sounds like a really long time. You know, I don't want to do that. I've done beauty school now and I can get out there and start working. My brother told me one day, um, and I'll never forget it because I think it's his great advice. Right. And he said to me, he's like, well, Rihanna, you know, 
the time's going to go by regardless. So whether you are working full-time or in school full-time, the years are going to go by. So seven years is going to go by no matter what you do. And he was like, so just like start taking some classes. You know, you should take some classes, just kind of see. And that just kind of really hit home because I was thinking I didn't want to be in school for seven years. But when he kind of broke it down that way, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So I did. I was taking classes. And then it just kind of all it just I kept going. And then beauty kept pushing me through. And then even after I finished law school, I was waiting on bar results in California and I picked up my license again, went to a spa and was working at one of the salons and spas out here. So it's always been something that you had to fall back on for a while while you were going through school through those years. Right. And be your own boss. Right. So it's one of those ones where it's like, I'm not having to really report to anybody. I don't have to ask for days off. I don't have, you know, there are like amazing benefits to being your own boss and being in the beauty industry. You make your own hours, you set your own schedule, you charge what you want, you know? Um, and so it was, it was great. So it sounds like you had the opportunity to kind of experience both worlds because you have a passion for beauty and you have some skills in that, but you always wanted to be a lawyer and you decided to still pursue that. And now you've married the two again. So what are some ways that you work with beauty professionals now in your business? So one of the main things I do for beauty professionals is help protect their brand and their business. And I do that by way of trademarks. So anybody who really has a brand that they love and that they're either selling or promoting or really trying to build, I always say you need a trademark because right now you have started to build um, a brand. You're putting money into this brand, but you don't actually own it. You're just renting it. So if somebody comes along and is like, that's a really cute name. Oh, it's not registered. I'm going to go register it. They register it. They can send you a cease and desist and say, hey, guess what? I own this name. Please stop using it. And then it just becomes a whole thing. So I really am passionate about helping beautypreneurs protect their brand and their pocket, really. Uh, so that's one way. Another way I help is with contract templates. So really kind of CYA. So from working in the industry and then working at the insurance company, I've just seen a lot. And so I've created contract templates, intake forms, consent forms that help CYA from a legal perspective, but is easy to understand and easy for the beauty professional to use. And then I do kind of some consultations. So I do, um, if you already have your business, if you already have forms and you want me to take a look at them, you want to see where you might have risks or um, any other areas of your beauty business you kind of want legalize on, I do one-on-one -on -one consultations for that too. Going into the trademarks, I've noticed, I've seen a lot of, I don't know if it's because we're on social media more now or what, but I've, I've noticed I've seen a lot of companies offering this service now. Like it's like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, I offer trademark services. I see a lot of reels, like you got to trademark your business. So it seems to be a trending topic, especially amongst the beauty industry. Why do you think that is? I think... Most specifically, um, what I can pinpoint it towards, at least in the last year, is the pandemic, I would say. So with the pandemic happening, people being off work, a lot of businesses have started during this last you know, year or two. And 
So because of that, people are kind of tapping into their entrepreneurial spirit where they might not otherwise have been. People are at home, they're starting home-based businesses. And so I think it's one of those things where it's a hot topic. We've got more people at home, more people running online businesses. And so more people are being exposed to that. And I think it's something that, you know, business attorneys and other people in the beauty industry are kind of tapping into and wanting to make sure that everybody is aware of trademarks and aware of kind of how to protect yourself. So who, who should trademark? Everybody. <laughs> I mean, no, really, like if you have a business that you are building, you should trademark it. And the reason why I say that is because we put money into our businesses in all different aspects, right? You will hire somebody to do graphic design, websites, coaching, all of these areas because you want to build this business. You want your business to be profitable, but you want to make sure that you've got a solid foundation for your business. So you want to make sure that the name you own, that a catchphrase or slogan or logo, you own those so that someone else can't come and start using your name because what, what would that do to your brand if somebody comes with a very similar name, starts using it, and is either creating an inferior product or providing an inferior service? You know how fast people are to go to Google and Yelp and be like, I just have the most horrible experience over here at such and such. And it can easily be confused with your brand or your business. And so that's why trademarks are really key. Is this a hard process? Because I think that people think it is. So take us through like what it would look like if you wanted to trademark your business, is this process hard? So the process itself, I wouldn't say is hard, it is long. Um, and it can be hard or difficult depending on your name that you choose. But you go from start to finish, it typically takes about nine to 12 months with COVID and with the spike of new entrepreneurs and trademark filings being up, it's taking a little bit longer. But on average, you start, you do a search, you do a comprehensive search to make sure nobody has the name or a similar name. You make sure that nobody's using, you know, the domain, the Instagram handle, you kind of do a common law search is what it's referred to as. So people that are using it, but don't have it registered. And then you, um, after you have all of that, you get an opinion as to whether or not you think that it's going to be able to be trademarked. Are you going to be successful? If you think that you have pretty good odds of being successful, then you file your application. Once you file your application, you're really just kind of sitting there for about three to four months waiting for your place in line. And then an attorney at the USPTO, um, that's the United States Patent and Trademark Office, will take a look at it. If they see no issues, and by issues, I mean, if there aren't other names out there that are too similar or things like that, that would confuse the consumer, then they're going to send it to publication. Publication takes 30 days. And what happens during publication is it's a chance for other people that might be using the name, but don't have it federally registered to say, oh, wait, no, please don't issue that registration because I've actually been using it and I've been using it before this person. If everything goes good, no opposition, nobody comes out of the woodworks saying that they have that name and they've been using it, then you would get your registration and that would come in about two to three months after uh, publication is finished. Is this an expensive process? It is an investment is what I will say. So you have to register your name in connection with the goods or services that you are wanting to cover. So 
if you are a lash business or if you are selling um, extensions or anything like that, right? You're going to want to register it for those different things. So if you have a salon, you want to register the salon. So for the services of, you know, salon and spa services. And then if you sell items under that name, so extensions or other products, then you want to register it in those lanes as well. And then if you have an online store, you're going to want to register it for online store. If you do coaching or one-on-one trainings for lashes or hair extensions or whatever it is, you want to register kind of in the education coaching lane. So it's not a one size fits all. It's not a blanket trademark. You don't own the name outright, you have to register in all of your specific categories. And so that can become costly, right? That's 350 a class at the USPTO. And then whatever your attorney's fees are going to be, I would say on average, you're looking anywhere from 1500 to 3000 um, at, the, at the max. Okay. Now I didn't even realize that you had to do it on each level for each thing. So like, if you sell products online, you have to do it for that. If you have the salon, you have to do it for that. If you do coaching, you have to do it for that or teaching and classes and stuff. I did not realize that. Yeah. So that's one thing that I will say happens a lot in DIYs. So people will DIY trademarks and what will happen. What I often see is they don't think in the grand scheme. So they're like, I own a salon. I'm going to trademark the salon, but they're not thinking about all those other branches of what they're doing that's out there. And so if you only register in the salon and somebody comes along and wants that name in coaching, well, they can take that name in coaching and then they can tell you, Hey, you're using my name in relation to coaching. It's time for you to rebrand. Right? So yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. So you have you to, need to cover all your bases. Then you have to cover all of it for sure. You, you do. And you know, another thing is um, what I will say is when you are doing kind of the broad sweep, it's kind of the best route to go economically. Lots of attorneys will not charge you uh, separate applications for all of those. They're just separate classes. So a lot of attorneys, you're just paying that extra fee to the USPTO, but you're not paying any additional fees for the lawyer to actually draft those extra classes. Now, I've seen people try to do it themselves and run into issues and then they they wasted money and then they had to go hire a lawyer. So it must not be very easy to do it yourself. Is that something you recommend? Like, do you have a program where you teach people how to do it themselves or do you recommend someone just getting legal help with that? I recommend someone getting legal help. And here's why I say that there are lots of special nuances for trademarking. There are things that you need to look out for in the search process to see if you're even going to be wasting money trying to apply. And an attorney, a skilled attorney is going to be able to give you that risk assessment. So if you just go online to the USPTO and type in Starbucks with two S's, it's going to show no hits. So you know, somebody who is not well-versed and be like, okay, well, I could definitely register Starbucks with two S's because there's not a trademark for it. But an attorney is going to know and an attorney is going to tell you, you are never going to get Starbucks with two S's registered because it is too confusingly similar to the regular um, Starbucks, the one that we all know. And so even though it's appearing clear for you, if you do a simple search, it doesn't mean it's clear. So I think one of the things is people will do a search and they'll say, my name's clear and they'll register. They're not registering necessarily all the right classes. And then 
they do a search, but they don't know the nuances of what is technically considered confusingly similar. So they think they're all good and then they get an office action. And an office action is a preliminary refusal. And but once you hit an office action that requires a substantive response, you have to get an attorney anyways. Now you have to pay the attorney to get up to speed to see what's going on with this case, you know? And so it's kind of something that you might as well just do from the jump so that you have that, you know, peace of mind that an attorney is helping you, that you, you're, you have a good chance or you don't have a good chance or what your risk factors are and things like that. So that's one of those things that I think you said it before that you should do in the beginning. Like you were saying, people get the logo and all the fancy things, but one of the things you should do when you start your business is trademark. So do you think that's that goes in with it? Like, I think a lot of times, not even just beautypreneurs, but people who want to start their businesses, they think of those things like the website, the logo, you know, the branding things, but they don't really think about the fact that they may need a lawyer. They may need to trademark their name first and all of those things. I say it all the time. It's needs and wants. And it comes down to two things, I think, with legal and trademarks. It's um, people will get a little pushed off or they will push it to the back because it's a, a balancing act of needs versus wants. So you want the nice website and you want that cute logo on your, your, on your cards. And you want that coach who's promising to bring you in 10 grand a month or whatever it is, right? Those are the things that you want. Um, but they're not things that you necessarily need. You can still start your business without a nice logo. You can still start your business without a, a dope website, but do you have the contracts in place? Because that's something you need. If you're starting a service-based business and you take on a client and they're doing installment payments, let's say, and after the first payment, you've delivered most of their services or most of their goods. And all of a sudden they take that card off file or they cancel that credit card. Okay. Well now, how are you going to get that money back? Do you have a solid contract, right? Because that is going to put money in your pocket or keep money in your pocket. Um, trademarks, you're building, you're spending all this money on all the other things that we talked about, all your wants, but you really need a trademark because that's a need. If somebody else trademarks it, you have to completely rebrand and that costs money. So it's the difference between the wants and the needs. And so I always tell people too, you got to figure out what you want when you're starting your business and what you need and your needs need to come first because you cannot build a business on a shoddy foundation. You can't build an empire. You can't build a house. If your foundation is messed up, it's going to just come crashing down. So I always kind of tell people that and value. So one of the reasons I think people will hold off on trademarks is they don't see the value in it. They're like, well, my coach is going to bring me in 10 K a month. This sounds like a bill, you know, but it's not a bill. It's an investment. Uh, Kylie Kardashian, or not Kylie Kardashian, Kylie Jenner, her, her, her billion dollar sale of Kylie cosmetics. If, do you think that if she would have went to Cody who bought her brand and said, Hey Cody, I've got, just some regular, regular um, makeup and regular skincare in this pink bottle. I want to sell it to you for a billion dollars. They would have been like, no, right? They'd have been like, I'm not buying a pink packaging. You know, this regular skincare line, eyeshadow, I can buy that anywhere. What they really bought was her trademark, her brand. They bought Kylie Cosmetics. They bought Kylie Skin. And that is IP right? So it's an investment. She wouldn't have been able to sell it for as much if she didn't have those trademarks and that brand and that following. So 
I think you got to figure it, you got to understand the value of it. I love the way you, you put that. I think that makes it very clear. So thanks for sharing that because I think it's all of what you think. I think a lot of times people think they need all of those shiny things, but when it comes to other things like the legal stuff, it's like, oh, I'll get that later. But that's something that you should get it in the beginning. I absolutely agree with that. And I see that now, but I think a lot of times, you know, it's just for the lack of knowledge. People just don't know. <laughs> they just do not know. And, and some of the ways that you can avoid that is maybe when you're thinking about starting a business, consult like an, a lawyer, an accountant, and those people, because those are the people you should talk to in the beginning anyway. Right. Because there's just so many things that you should, that you should do starting a business, just aside from trademarks, aside from contracts, you got to get an LLC or some type of business entity. You need protection for your assets. Um, you need protection for your personal income, your personal, you know, assets. And you need a business bank account and you need to make sure that you're doing your accounting correctly. And that's something that an accountant can help you with. Then you need to make sure that if somebody tries to pull one over on you or not hold up their end of the bargain, you've got a solid contract to make them pay or to make them fulfill their end of the deal. And those are all things that you need starting out because those are things that are going to keep money in your pocket. Now talking about contracts and the templates that you create is Having a contract in place, I know you talked about it many times, is important, and I understand the importance of it, but can you give some examples of where you said you were working and you saw like a lot of beauty professionals, like getting sued, a lot of people not having the proper contracts and things in place. So what are some things that you saw that could have been avoided if they had the proper contracts and things in place? So intake forms and waivers are going to be clutch in any instance of claims being filed or uh, lawsuits because your waiver is telling them that they understand that these are the risks. It goes over what the risks are. It says that they knowingly and voluntarily agree to this service based off of this risk, right? Your intake form is going to say all their medical history. It's going to give you knowledge on whether or not they're a good candidate. It's going to say that I, um, I attest that I have provided all my medical history that's relevant to this procedure and to the best of my knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. So if something happens and they didn't tell you they were allergic to a certain type of glue or they have a negative reaction and um, they have some type of injury, well, your consent form tells them the risks, right? Your intake form lets you know that they did not list out that that was one of the issues that they have, that they're allergic to glue or whatever. So it kind of shows that you're not negligent in that regard, right? But also what is really important is if you don't have those two and you have professional liability insurance, depending on what your policy says regarding intake forms and consent forms and patch tests, it might invalidate your whole policy as far as covering that claim. So somebody has a terrible reaction, they're suing you for $80,000, you pay every month into your professional liability uh, coverage, and then you go to use it and they say, all right, let's send you to coverage, let's make sure all our ducks are in a row, all our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed. And they say, okay, can you please provide me the consent form and the intake form and you know the, the proof that you did a patch test? And you're like, I needed those, like I, I haven't been using the intake form, I didn't use the consent form. And then the insurance policy will likely say, not my problem, like we're not going to cover it. So we're not going to help defend this case in litigation. And if you get a judgment, we're not paying on it. 
So that's one of those things that people like don't take into consideration. You are paying for this professional liability insurance. You want the protection. So you have to make sure you're using the proper forms and following the proper guidelines so that if something happens, you do have protection. And I know those are some forms that you're offering with, through your business, right? We were talking about it earlier. So tell us some of the type of contracts and templates that you provide. So one of my favorite contracts is the client services agreement. And not a lot of people use this one. And it's different than one of the ones you need for professional liability or lawsuit purposes. This is the one that I call like the keep money in your pocket one right? The CYA. So it's going to have all your rules. It's basically the policies that you're posting on social media that you're sending out in text confirmations, but it is in a contract form. So you're talking about refunds. If you issue them, what the procedure is for a refund. It talks about no-shows, what's considered a no-show and what the no-show fee is. It talks about late cancellations, what your period of late cancellations is. It talks about um, all of the fees associated with all of that. And then what you do, they sign it. You make them sign and date it. So now they no show. You charge them full price because time is valuable. Time is money. And they're like, Rihanna, I'm not paying that. I, I didn't agree to that. I'm going to dispute it with my credit card company. Okay. Dispute it if you want to. But then when the credit card company comes back and says, uh, Rihanna, we've taken this money back unless you can prove to me, give me compelling evidence of why you deserve this money or why you're owed this money. Then you pull up that contract and you're like, listen, she signed it. She dated it. She knows my policies here. You see the cancellation was outside of my cancellation window. So I charged the card on file, bam, bam, wipe your hands and you get your money back. So I really love the client services agreement. Then also I have the client intake form and the um, consent waivers. COVID-19 waiver. Those are all the ones that are going to help you for liability purposes. Um, and just make sure you have an adequate medical history and make sure that they understand the risks associated with whatever service you're going to perform. Oh, and I forgot. <laughs> I do have a couple special ones. I have like a wedding one that um, helps outline your guidelines for wedding, travel, payment, all of that. And then salon booth rental. If you are a salon owner and you rent spaces, I have all that outlined for stylist duties, salon duties, and a couple of other um, special ones. I like that. I, I think, you know, that's awesome that you offer it all, the, all together. And I would prefer to buy it from you because I've seen things like this on Etsy, right? But you don't know if you're getting the right thing. You know, I've seen that. And not, you know, nothing against someone who's trying to push their business on Etsy, but I'm not sure if that's, you know, an $8 contract that I buy on Etsy is something that my lawyer will recommend or that I could actually use legally. But um, being that you are a lawyer, you, you know, you're providing, you know, you've seen some of the things that can happen. And so you know what it needs to stay and how it needs to be worded and it's done for you. So I love that. I like that the client agreement one. I love that one because when I was doing services, I could see where you know, that will come in handy, um, especially with the cancellation things. I remember I had a Saturday where I had like four cancellations that threw my whole day off. It was just crazy. And that was when I started thinking like, okay, I got to put something in place for this, you know, for sure. Imagine if you had your solid client services agreement and you are enforcing your policies, you're enforcing your no-shows, and depending on how you do it, some people charge their full service price for a no-show. If they were booked for, you know, a two-hour service, they're charging the two-hour service. So imagine if 
you don't have time to fill that space. So you are obviously going to charge that no-show fee. Now you have a four-hour gap, but you're out getting a pedicure, you're out doing whatever, and you're still getting paid. Like that is amazing, right? That is best case scenario on a cancellation. <laughs> right, right. I, I like that scenario better than wasting time and you have this huge gap and you don't have you have hours before your other clients are coming and it is a wasted day almost. So I, I'd rather go get the petty and the mani, right? And the mimosa, right? <laughs> Right, exactly. And hopefully, I mean, I don't like to work on Sunday, but hopefully it's Sunday and they're having brunch. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. This episode is sponsored by Coleman Tax, helping you see the beauty in your numbers. Coleman Tax is a boutique tax firm that exclusively serves beautypreneurs. We help you save money by using tax planning and by getting your beauty business finances organized for you to make the best decisions for your business. Book your free tax strategy call at thebeautycpa.com. So, well, I definitely, you know, can see how that can be uh, beneficial to a beauty professional or anyone, and really, you know, that's that's running, especially a service-based business, but a beauty professional having those things in place, I think more and more people are starting to see that the this is important and this is something that we need. And I'm seeing more and more that people are trying to, you know, find out how to get these things. But sometimes as small business owners, it can be costly and it might cost you hundreds of dollars to talk to a lawyer. So I love that you're offering it in like a template form where they could just, you know, plug and play. So I love that. I'm trying to really um, merge the gap, right? Because lawyers are expensive. Um, They just are. So if you want a custom drafted contract, a custom drafted client services agreement, let's say that's $350 an hour times however many hours it's going to take that attorney to draft it. So for one contract, you're probably looking at, I don't know, a grand somewhere around there. Okay. And I would say that's probably on the low side, but you know, a grand to 1500 for one contract. So my client services agreement currently goes for 297. So for a fraction of the cost, you have the peace of mind of knowing that an attorney drafted this and that you can go in and plug and play, like you said, and that you're protected versus your Etsy form, which you paid $8 for. Does it have the right clauses in it? When's the last time somebody looked at it? And by somebody, I mean an attorney, or is it something that's been kind of passed down from generation to generation forever? One of the cool things I'll say about my contracts is um, if you buy one of the bundles and If you buy one of the bigger bundles, anytime I add new contracts, so as like the arsenal increases, you get those for free. So they just kind of come to you. But then on the contracts, I review them once a year. So at the beginning of the year, I'm going to review them, make sure that they are pristine condition no laws have really changed. Nothing that I think, oh, people said they're having issues with this. Let's add that in there. So you know that your contract is up to date once a year. You are working with a new version. And I think that's, you know, really cool. So what made you decide to focus on this industry? I think there's a need for it in this industry, but why do you have such a heart for the beauty industry? Nobody's talking about it, right? And beauty professionals are some of the biggest hustlers around. You make your own schedule. You are doing multiple things. I mean, so many beauty professionals have salons or independent stylists. They're also teaching. They are um, doing freelance weddings. They have an online store. I mean, they're just doing everything. And I just think 
it's kind of one of the vulnerable classes because nobody talks about the law as it relates to beauty professionals. You don't learn about it in beauty school. When you go out and kind of hang your own shingle or get your own suite, nobody tells you how to do that either. And so I think that for being as hustle-minded and as like boss that beauty professionals are, there's a lack of those like CEO qualities that, that, that legal CEO stuff. And so that's what I'm trying to give people so that you can really be like, you're not going to play with my time or my money. So this is how this is going to work. I love it. I love it. I, I have a heart for this industry as well. I just want to see more beauty businesses thrive and be successful. And I know that part of it is, is that the industry is great with the art side, the beauty side, you know, what they, the creativeness, what they do, the service side. But it, like you said, is that, is that other side, is that CEO side, that business side, that sometimes is the legal, all of those things that are missing, that if they just had those things that we could really have, you know, successful beauty businesses. And I want to see more of that because I know this is a multi-billion dollar industry. And this is a needed industry. Like I know I have to have my hair done. I have to have, you know, to me it's important. It's a very important industry and we need to be compensated well and we need to make sure we have our ducks in a row and everything in order. And that's one of the things that with this podcast, I wanna do is just, you know, to add value to this community, anything that's gonna help them in their businesses for sure. Definitely. It's something that's needed. It, we need to talk about, have more conversations around the other aspects of it, whether that's legal or financial or, you know, all those other kind of CEO roles um, that we need to be talking about. And so I love it. I think it's great. We get a lot of info on technique and we get a lot of info on marketing, but not necessarily that other important stuff. So I'm here for it. Definitely true. Now, in addition to what you do for trademarks and the contracts and all those things, um, are you do you offer services to work with them directly? Like if they have any issues with their business, is that something that you offer? Or are you mainly focused on just like the trademarking and contract and those legal aspects of it? I'm mainly preventative. So I'm licensed in California and Georgia. So if there was a beauty issue that needed some type of litigation, um, I could help in California or Georgia, or if somebody came to me and needed help in a different state, I'm sure I have a referral source that I could send them to. Uh, that would be, you know, somebody good that could help them. But as far as my main items that I offer or my main services, they're all preventative because I want you to prevent the issues from happening in the first place. I love that. I love that. Yes, I think that's great. You know, and, and that's what a lot of um, people need to do. You know, proper preparation prevents poor performance. So if you properly prepare your business in the beginning, you know, you know, you prevent those issues, right? Right. So I love that. Well, okay. So an example of this, we talked about um, earlier, like when I worked at the insurance company, um, we had a case and it was a uh, pedicure issue. Guy went in for a pedicure, had diabetes. Uh, did not have to do an intake form, no consent. You know, I mean, think about how many times you go for a pedicure. You're never doing any of that, right? Um, his issue was the water ended up being too hot and he had severe uh, wounds that he ended up getting on his feet that did not heal as they normally would, you know, in part due to his diabetes. Long story short, um, 
they weren't using intake forms and they weren't doing um, the consent forms. So based off of their insurance policy, uh, policy was denied. So I think that I, I have to check because I've been telling the story and I'm like, I'm going to go back to my notes and see what it actually ended up settling for. But I think it was around $300,000 um, because you think like that's a lot of money, but he had to have several surgeries uh, regarding his his feet. And so long story short, $300,000, if you have no LLC um, to protect you and you have not used the proper forms, so your insurance isn't helping you either. Well, $300,000, I hope you don't own any houses or anything like that because they can, they're coming after it, right? They are coming after it in way of lean. They have that judgment. They can do all kinds of um, legal things to enforce that. And so one bad mistake, if you're not preventative, can really bankrupt your whole business and bankrupt you like personally, if you don't have an LLC in place. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. So far as the LLC goes, is that something that you help with it as well? As well? Yes. So I can help with LLC formation in again, California and Georgia, but coming soon, I'm going to do an LLC course so people will be able to just kind of buy that course, pace themselves. It's going to have all the resources, no matter what state you're in, for direct links for, you know, let's say Florida Secretary of State. It'll go through the steps on how to get there. It will give you the forms and important dates for you to be aware of. So that way you have the knowledge to do your LLC yourself, because lots of people need more than one, depending on what you're doing. Um, it gives you that extra barrier of protection. It protects one business from bankrupting all the businesses. Right. And so multiple LLCs is also a, a thing to look into that people don't necessarily know about either. Um, and so if you take the course, then you will have the knowledge to do your own LLCs whenever they come and you can stop paying legal Zoom or an attorney for it. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think a, I hear a lot of uh, stylists will either if they don't they may think they don't need to have one because it's just me and I'm just doing hair so sometimes I get that a lot or they'll do like a DBA so can you like explain like the differences and why they should, yes. should or shouldn't do that? <laughs> yes um DBAs do not provide you any protection a DBA is telling the public telling the world that you are operating as another name but you're still operating as a sole proprietor so if I do DBA, if I do Rihanna, DBA, she trademarks, I'm still operating as Rihanna. So if something goes wrong with she trademarks and they sue she trademarks, they're really suing me. So no asset protection, no protection otherwise. If you are um, an LLC, then you have that protection, obviously. And I know people say, I get this all the time. I get this from my own friends. They're like, I don't need an LLC. Like, I'm just a stylist. Like, you know, I don't. X, Y, and Z. And I always tell people, are you a homeowner? Then you need an LLC. And even if you're not a homeowner, but that's just like one of the, you know, one of the ones that you think about, because you're like, all I, all I have is a house. All you have is a house. Like, well, you don't want anything to come and swoop that house just because you didn't have an LLC. Right. Um, but I tell people all the time. Also, just because you're starting small now, doesn't mean that your business is not going to be booming at some point in time and hopefully sooner rather than later. So let's just get the stuff in place so that you have that protection. Because like I said, one, one claim can bankrupt a lot of small businesses. 
I think, you know, this is um, something that people need to look at, especially because I do hear that as well with stylists. Like they think they don't really need it. Like, oh, I'm a stylist. I don't really need it. But it could protect you because I didn't realize that they can still come after your house and all that stuff. So you want to make sure that you are protected and you have that together. So it's, it's worth it just to get it out the way, right? <laughs> it's worth it to get it out the way just to have that like protection peace of mind. It also helps. I'm not an accountant. Okay. So take this for what it is. I always tell people go to the accountant because um, they're going to give you all the details, all the tea on S-Corps, but S-Corps are going to help you. Um, with self-employment tax, you know, it really helps with your like lower the tax rate that you have to pay. And so if you do an LLC, then you register it as an S corp and you take that tax delegation, it's going to be saving you money too. It's just like, it's so many different pieces um, that I think people get overwhelmed. And I think I feel that that's why some, some of the things they're like, Oh, I'll do that later. Cause because if, if you don't understand it and you don't, it is not your lane, it can be like that. But I, that's why I don't mind, you know, getting expert advice, talking to experts and finding out, okay, what do I need to do? And hiring the right people to help me get those things done so that I'm protected in my business for sure. I mean, definitely. I hire people all the time. My favorite word is outsource. I'm like, Ooh, let's right. outsource that. Like, I don't right. know about that. It's going to take me 10 hours to do this one thing on this website. Somebody else will have it done in 30 minutes. Um, and so I love to outsource. I love to go to the people that have the knowledge in the area because me trying to fumble through it when somebody else can do it quickly is just, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And it's also like, if you can pay someone else to do it and you get that time back and you can use the time for what you're an expert in, then why not do that? It ends up working out in the long run. So I go to like marketing people. I'm like, Hey, how should I market this? Or I'll go to like growth strategists. I mean, I go to my own arsenal of experts. It's important. Right. Right. I love that you shared that. It's okay. Like we should have, I think it's what a board of directors. I enough people don't talk about that, but you need like a board. You need people you can, you know, reach out for certain things for sure. Yes. As business owners. You do because you can't do it all. You, I mean, we joke that we all wear all the hats, right? We joke that we're the virtual assistant and that we're the marketing director and the content. I love to say I'm the talent. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm the talent, right? Which <laughs> that's my favorite joke. I'm like, I don't have time for that. I'm the talent. Like I have to create content. Um, and so you, you wear all these hats, but you have to kind of start thinking about just from a financial perspective. Okay. Like what you're doing. And if you make $80 an hour, $100 an hour, whatever you make um, based off of the services you're providing. If you're using one of that hour to do something that you can pay someone else less than you to do. So, you know, maybe you're doing the graphic design or maybe you're doing admin stuff that you could pay someone $10, $15 an hour. Well, if you weigh those costs, you're using an hour at 60, 80, 100, whatever your dollar price is. And someone else would use the same hour, but you could pay them 10 or, you know, 15, then you're like, I just lost out on 50, anywhere from 50 to $80. Right. And so you kind of have to do that cost analysis too. Right. Like I can do it, but as the owner or CEO of this company, should I be doing that? (laughs) Right. You can, but should you? (laughs) I say that. That's one of, that's my other go-to. I like to tell people like, uh, can you file your own trademark? Yes. But should you, I say, 
I wouldn't go represent myself in a family law proceeding because I don't know family law. That's not my forte, right? I, I could learn up on it and go do it because I'm licensed to practice law, obviously, but I would rather have a professional who does it all the time, go do it and make sure that it's done right. Or you can represent yourself technically in a criminal proceeding, but would you? And should you? And so it's, it, you know, it's kind of along the same lines. Like you wouldn't do it in any other aspects. So I don't know why people want to make the risk for their business. This is definitely some great information that you're providing. I really have enjoyed having you on the podcast so far. So uh, what are you excited about right now? I'm really excited where, you know, my business is going. Just like any entrepreneur that has started a business, I am seeing so much growth right now. And so many fun things are happening. I'm getting a lot of interaction with my friends on, on Instagram and I'm getting more ideas on how to help the, you know, beautypreneur, which is one of the reasons why I talked, I told you earlier, I'm going to start an LLC course. I'm going to, people have been asking me left and right about LLCs. Now that I am kind of telling the importance of the LLC, people are like, Oh, I do need that. Can you help me with it? And so I want to give people the tools to help themselves with it. And so like things like that, just kind of the more interaction, just kind of seeing where it's going to go and how I'm going to help the beauty industry. I'm just really excited about it all. Great. Now, what would be the best way for the audience to reach out and contact you? So I am most active on Instagram. People can find me at she trademarks and on there, there's a link. You can schedule anything you want to schedule. All of the links pop up. If you want contract templates, you can get them there. If you want to book a one-on-one beauty boss legal is what I call it or BBL for short. Um, everyone wants a BBL, right? So if you want, (laughs) you want, um, that type of information, you can, um, get that there. And then as well as custom drafted contracts, trademark consultations, all of that's on the Instagram. I am in the middle of a rebrand because like a creative or like any other person, I'm like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. So the website is going to be down for a little bit, but you can still go and sign up to know one, when it goes live and two get on the list for all kinds of special offers that I give to my email list and things like that to make sure that you're in the know with what services or new products I'm providing. If you have any last minute advice or any tips that you would give to uh, beauty professionals in the, in the industry that, you know, are looking for trademarks, contracts, or anything like that. My, I, I would say start now. So your beauty business, your brand might be little now. And I I say little, right. Might be little now, but like you have no idea how big or how great it's going to be. So protect yourself now, CYA now, make sure that you're getting everything in place because we've got empires to build around here and we want to make sure that we're covered. So I want to ask you the last couple of questions I like to ask people to come on the podcast. So the first one is, how do you stay motivated? It's a constant struggle. I'll be honest, right? So the other day it was Friday. I think it was Friday or Saturday. And I have, I had so much stuff that I had to do for, for work. And I was like, but it's Friday at six o'clock. Like, I don't, I definitely don't want to be in, in this office, but I, the way that I motivate myself, I'm like, okay, well, let's do, I do burst of motivation. So I'll do, okay, I'm going to give myself, I negotiate with myself all the time. I'm like, I'm going to give myself 
a, a one to two hour break and I'm going to come back and I'm going to do it. So you have to take those breaks when you need the breaks and change up scenery, change up um, what you've got going on. If something is not working in your business, it's not that your business is a failure. It's that you have an issue somewhere that you just kind of need to pivot and redirect. And so I think that's another thing, just kind of look around and see if you're in a rut, like what you can do to motivate yourself. I love to take myself to dinner. So if I know that I have something that has to be due and I um, have to get it done, but don't want to be in the office, I'll take myself to dinner and me and my dinner, my laptop, and sometimes an adult beverage, you know, not a mimosa because it's dinner time, but sometimes an adult beverage, we get it done. And I have something to look forward to. And so I think that's one of the things that people should do too, is make sure that they're looking forward to something and taking the breaks when they need it. Great. Where do you go for motivation? Like, is there a particular book you read? Is there a podcast? Is there a particular group or club you're in? I really recently have been surrounded by so many fierce women entrepreneurs and we stay in contact on Instagram and we are um, always talking about kind of ways to improve ourselves and improve our business. And I think that you kind of are who you surround yourself with. And so it is great to be with like-minded people and talk about kind of the struggles that we're all going through. Like, Hey, I want to launch this product, but I'm struggling with pricing or I'm struggling with this or like, Hey, I want to do this. But when, when one of us wins, we all win. So it's great motivation because I'll see someone do an epic launch or, you know, build an awesome website or whatever it is. And I'm like, Oh, I can do that too. Or somebody quits their nine to five, you know, and then they, because they started some, something different, I'm like, Ooh, that could be me. And so I think kind of surrounding yourself by the right people that are trying to level up themselves will help level you up too. What's your favorite tool or app or something like that that you use that you just have to use to operate in your business? Share that with us. I am so not good at the tech. So um, it's funny because I recently outsourced and the girl that is doing my web is like, oh my gosh, Rihanna. She's like, I've seen you fumble through, you know, this, this, and this. And some of the websites I wanted on different platforms, she's like, uh-uh, that's going to be too hard for you. Uh-uh, that's going to be too hard for you. But the one tool that I am consistent with, and it's going to just keep getting better, is my client management software. So when somebody goes and books a consultation with me, um, kind of the automation that goes through to getting from consultation to showing up at the consultation and keeping track, it keeps me organized. It keeps me on track. It um, integrates with my calendar. So I for the most part, never end up double booked. Sometimes I do, but uh, for the most part, I never end up double booked. And when I am double booked, it's operation. It's operational error on my part. Uh, so something to keep you organized. Great, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brianna. I'm going to make sure I have all of your information in the show notes and everything. So make sure you follow Brianna on Instagram. She trademarks, connect with her. And I'll have everything in the show notes. That's all we have for you today. As always, stay great and we're out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you. So let's stay connected. And remember, 
that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.